Our scripture reading for today is Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 36. Listen now to the word of the Lord. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. The word of the Lord. Peace be with you. Good morning. Uh, Before I begin, um, I just want to remind you, um, every morning, uh, beginning at 945, we meet in that room right there, and we are going through a new series of, uh, what shall we call it, Uh, adult education, um, entitled The Great Cloud of Witnesses, where we're looking at history. And it's not, um, I hope it's something that you'll attend. It's uh, a time of learning about where we come from, where we're going, as a way of understanding why it is that we do what we do, uh, a chance to really kind of uh, frame our story within the larger story of the church. And so I hope you can join us uh, Sunday mornings, uh, beginning at 9.45. Um, For those of you who are of the Spirit. And we started with the first fruit, love, which is the most important, the greatest of the fruits. We could even argue that all the other fruits are an aspect of the one fruit of love. And then we went on to joy, talking about uh, having joy. We okay? Should I, should I move this? Okay. Yep. Thank you. Uh, joy in all circumstances, uh, regardless of the situation. And then we talked about peace, this idea of the shalom, that it's not just a matter of uh, the absence of conflict, but this idea of wholeness, of a broadness of harmony with, uh, with others and with, the, with God, of course, and in fact, with all of creation. And, and last week, we talked about uh, patience, this idea of putting our anger as far from us uh, as we can. And today uh, we are going to talk about kindness. And again, I want to just give a, a thanks again to our fellowship team. Uh, as you may have noticed, every week we've been having a different fruits. Uh, they've been thinking very, very hard to try to find a fruit that has some sort of association with each of these uh, fruits. Um, so um, today we're going to have um, some Grapes, and so you can kind of think about how are grapes a reflection of kindness. So you can think about that. Um, before we begin, I want to uh, ask Grace if she could come up again um, to teach us again uh, until we get it. Uh, we're going to learn the motions uh, for the uh, for the spirit. So hopefully this will help us. Oh, there you go, Grace. Well, it's sign language, so <laughs> so we have sign language app like this. And into the cheek, and just twist it. 
right? So that's fruit. And then spirit is you take your middle and your thumb and you pull them out like this, like you're pulling a string out like that. Uh, and then we'll go, ready? For the fruit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, and bubbling out, peace, patience, kindness, you pull it out of your heart, pull kindness out of your heart, kindness, goodness, and then faithfulness is an F like this, and you touch it once here, and then touch it again. So faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness is a, you take like, pull like, like a soft cotton thing out of your heart, like so. Gentleness, and self-control. Let's try that one more time. Goodness. I said goodness. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. my bad. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you. All right, so I hope, I hope that helps you to, um, to learn. Uh, the fruit of the spirit. Um, so today's fruit is uh, is kindness. Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for uh, thank you for this congregation and the time that we have together this morning to hear your word, to worship, um, to commune with one another. And we ask now that in the hearing of your word, uh, we would come to love you more, to understand your word better. And then to live it out, uh, to bear the fruit uh, of kindness and all other fruit of the Spirit. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So you might recall, um, those of you who are old enough, in the 1990s, there was this sort of a broad movement um, that challenged people to practice what they called random acts of kindness. Um, one of the people who popularized the idea was a guy named uh, Gavin uh, Whitsett who wrote a little book entitled Guerrilla Kindness. And he said, you know, for him the idea was he kept watching all these uh, news stories about these random acts of violence, right? That, you know, just these crazy, unpredictable acts of violence. And so he wanted to do something kind of to counter that. And so he said, well, let's do these random acts of kindness instead. And so uh, he wrote this book and, and people that got involved with this um, the idea was that you would do some like small act of kindness to you know strangers. Um, for example, you would like um, be driving and you get to a toll booth and you would pay the toll for the guy behind you, right? Or you'd buy the guy's um, coffee for someone standing behind you in line. Uh, he says stuff like wave to kids on the school bus, although in this day and age that might not be a good idea. Uh, back then it was okay. Uh, send flowers to someone in a hospital that you don't know. Um, he talked about burying nickels in a children's you know, uh, playground sandbox. Um, so, and, and he says this. He says, my aim is only to remind people of the kind impulses that all of us have, remind people of something that they already know, which is that it feels good to act on those impulses. Right? It's true. Like when you do something good, typically you feel good about it about yourself. And so his book offers some fun, neat things you can do to surprise people and feel good at the same time. Similarly, 
uh, in a book on the topic of kindness, uh, the rabbi Harold Kushner said, when you carry out acts of kindness, you get a wonderful feeling inside. It's as though something inside your body responds and says, yes, this is how I ought to feel. You may have even heard about research on kindness that indicates that people who are kind tend to develop stronger immune systems, improved cardiovascular circulation, an overall better sense of well-being, and may even live longer. So, you know, a cynic might point out that if the primary motivation is to make yourself feel good and live longer, then it really has nothing to do with kindness as an idea, right? That it just becomes another symptom of our self-centeredness. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with feeling good for doing something right. You know, I think that's how we were made. That's how we were made to be in community. But when acts are... When acts of kindness are only done, or primarily done, when it is easy and comfortable and brings me satisfaction and feelings of joy, then I think it's no longer kindness. And I think there's evidence of this uh, in lots of different places. Um, More recently, I read about uh, Debbie Tanzer, who started this website called DoOneNiceThing.com, and later wrote a book on it, and the idea, again, was to do some act of kindness, or as she called it, niceness, uh, every Monday, because that was for her like the toughest day. And so she uh, highlights on her website or in her book uh, an army of what people she called niceaholics um, who have done these small acts of niceness to just try to, you know, make people feel better. Um, The website is no longer active, so I'm not sure what that means. Um, And I even discovered this week that there's a World Kindness Day. Did you know that? There's a World Kindness Day, November 13th. So that's just just in another week. Um, And again, they're encouraging people to be kind to one another, to be nice to one another, and so on. Now, I'm not against any of this. I think it's fine if you want to do that. In fact, I encourage you to do all that, teach your kids to do all that, to be nice to strangers, do random acts of kindness or what they call niceness. I'm all for, I want to be clear on this, okay? I'm all for... Kindness as basic human courtesy. Okay? Um, Do you remember, again, those of you who are really old now, there was a time when we actually had to drive to a store called Blockbusters. Do you remember? (laughs) To rent movies on VHS videotapes. Remember? And do you remember what it said on the cover? Be kind, rewind. Right? Like, people had to be reminded to have this basic courtesy of rewinding the film so that the next person who borrowed it, you know, could start just pop it into their machine and start uh, watching it. Basic courtesy. We are human kind, not human cruel, right? It's, it's what we teach our kids. Be considerate of others, be friendly, be gentle, share, right? I'm all for that. I'm all for that. I I like basic human civility, okay? So I want to be clear on that. However, I think when we think about kindness as a spiritual fruit and the way that the Bible uses the word kindness, it's not talking about that. So when Jesus says here that God is kind, he is not most definitely saying God is nice. That is not what this word 
means. Um, for all you young people, you know, when I was um, in eighth grade, my English teacher taught me something that I've never forgotten. It's about the only grammar lesson I remember from, you know, all my years of schooling. <laughs> in eighth grade, my teacher told me, never use the word nice, because he says it doesn't mean anything. So in all my writings, I've, I've worked really hard to avoid using the word nice in, in all of my writings. And later, I learned that the word nice comes from a French root meaning stupid and a Latin root meaning ignorant, right? So, nice, it's so bland, right? It's, it's insipid, it's lukewarm, it's pleasantly forgettable. Those are much better options to use than nice. This is not who God is, and this is not what we are called to be, right? And, and I, one of the things that bothers me is like a lot of times we, we associate niceness with Christianity or with Christians, right? There's a nice Christian boy that you should date. Like, no, that's, you don't want to date someone that's just kind of like mild and bland, and right? Um, biblical kindness is not this sort of cultural niceness that we associate with kindness. So I, I, that's what I want to get at today. So I got to do two word studies today um, to, to try to help us understand what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about kindness. So the first one, um, so I'm treading on a little bit of thin ice here. Um, Two weeks ago when I talked about peace, um, I told you that even though they're writing in Greek and speaking in Greek probably, that the idea of peace that Paul writes about and that Jesus was certainly thinking about was the Hebrew idea of peace, right? Because that's their... They're steeped in that um, faith tradition. And so even though they use the Greek words for peace, for sure they were thinking about the shalom, the, the Hebrew idea of peace, this, this much broader understanding of peace. I think the same thing is going on here with kindness. Now, I, I'm not quite as certain, but I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty confident that this, that, that this is also true. Um, the Hebrew word that is translated as kindness uh, t- typically, is the word chesed. And chesed is probably the most important Hebrew word for us to know. It's, it's as important as the word grace uh, in the New Testament. Chesed. And chesed gets translated as kindness, which I think is a very poor translation. Um, sometimes it's translated as steadfast love or unfailing love. And the uh, the translators of the King James Version actually, you know, they made up a word, loving kindness, as a way to try to get at this idea of chesed. Um, my uh, Old Testament professor uh, wrote an entire book on this, and she says that chesed is a loyalty shown in a freely undertaken, carrying through of an existing commitment to another who is now in a situation of need. Right? That's, that's much heavier than nice. Furthermore, chesed is deliverance or protection as a responsible keeping of faith with another with, one, with whom one is in a relationship. In other words, chesed is not niceness. It's loyalty and commitment, and even more, it's the power. It's the power that is then able to act on that commitment for rescue as God does. In Exodus 34, for example, we hear about Moses experiencing God this way. The Lord 
a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in chesed, in steadfast love, or loving kindness, and faithfulness. This is how God deals with people. This, this idea of a loyal commitment to the people that he has been in relationship with. And this chesed has also this power then to deliver or to rescue his people. That is how God deals with us, and that is who God is. That's the word that is being used here, and that's the word I think that's in their minds whenever they talk about kindness. So when we see the word kindness, we should not be thinking, again, something as feeble as, you know, nice. Um, for example, in the story uh, in Joshua, you remember the story of Joshua where two spies are sent into the land of Canaan to spy out the land, and um, Rahab protects those two spies, remember? She, she hides them, and then she sends them on their way. She lies to their um, would-be captors, and she says to the two spies, she says this, now then, swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, that as I've dealt chesed with you, you also will deal kindly chesed with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Right? This is not just, you know, hey, listen, I want you to be nice to me and my family. No, this is, we know war is coming and you're going to wipe everybody out. I have been faithful committed, loyal, and protected and rescued you. And so you, I want you to promise me that you do the same. That's the way they're understanding kindness, right? It's, 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 it's great risk. And it's, it's a deep commitment. It's not just some little, you know, nonchalant act of, you know, politeness. Similarly, 2 Samuel 9, King David uh, has settled into his kingdom uh, and, you know, he, he's wiped out his enemies, and he says, is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him some kindness, some chesed, for Jonathan's sake? It's it's an amazing statement because King Saul tried repeatedly to kill him. And now that he's in power, David is looking around and he wants to help Jonathan, who was his best friend, even though his father had tried to kill him, he wants to show some kindness. And again, it's not like, hey, does Jonathan have a son or somebody that I can like, you know, be nice to? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a promise, a covenant that he made with Jonathan while they were both alive. And he was able to make this promise that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, and we know that something bad's going to happen because of this, this uh, fighting that's going on, I want you to promise me that you will be good, that you will protect and save my children and my family. And so King David here now, he's keeping those promises. That's kindness. It's not, I'm just going to be nice. It's a keeping of covenantal promises that were made years and years before. And so when you read the word kindness, especially in the uh, Old Testament, I I don't want you to think just, just nice. It's, it's much heavier than that. For example, uh, Micah 6.8, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love 
mercy sometimes, but, and to love kindness. And to love kindness. And to walk humbly with your God, right? To love kindness. Again, it doesn't mean, you know, just be nice to each other. It means keep faith. Keep a loyal, covenantal commitment and use that commitment to rescue, even at risk to yourself. And I think this is the word idea that Paul is using uh, when he talks about kindness. And this is the word idea that Jesus has in mind when he says, God is kind. He's thinking God is chesed. You with me? Yeah, that's the first. Second word is, is the Greek word for kindness that, um, that appears here. And this word is krestotes. And the interesting thing about this word is it's very similar to the word Christos. In fact, if you look in the dictionary, it's just, just a few entries down. You go from kindness to Christ. And what's interesting is that in the early uh, days of the church, some pagans misunderstood Christians, those who followed Christ, as those who were Christotes or Christos, meaning they were the kind ones. Instead of, you know, little Christ or those who follow Christ, they thought they were the kind ones because the, the words, um, different roots, but they, they sound similar. Um, being thought of as the kind ones is not, it's not terrible. It's not the worst thing they can say about Christians, but, uh, but that's the word that he's thinking of. Now, the word itself has some of the elements of um, the English kindness, meaning that it does mean things like gentle and um, gracious, even virtuous, but the word also has this idea of usefulness or profitable, well fit for use. And what I want you to remember is that this idea of kindness has this idea of being, um, is associated with service or being serviceable. For example, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then he says, verse 30, for my yoke is easy. Same word. For my yoke is krestotes. For my yoke is kind, and my burden is light. My yoke is kind in the, in, in the sense that it's comfortable, that it's fit that it's well-fitting, tailor-made, as it were. You follow me? That's this idea of what it is to be kind, that it, it, it fits well. And so the word kind, it's, it's, you know, I, I don't know that it's a good equivalent, but the word kindness has, for the thinkers of the Bible, loyalty, it's got commitment, it's got power, it's got usefulness. I mean, it's just a really a good word. And uh, I want you to keep all of that in mind because when Jesus says now here, but love your enemies and do good, lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you'll be the sons of the Most High for he is kind, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. You know, the world of Jesus, um, not unlike today, but more so, uh, operated on a system of patronage. You did whatever you could to get in with the right people, to curry favor those who could uh, increase your status, protect you, uh, maybe even give you enough support and power 
to seek justice and retribution. It meant that you would, you know, have to give like gifts to people who could who could help you. And so even when Jesus teaches something like like the golden rule to treat others as you would like to be treated, there is a sense of uh, reciprocity, right? You uh, help one another, that there is some sense of fairness in this kind of exchange of support and help. And and that's fine. We, We can accept that. But then Jesus tosses almost all of that away and he says, no, love your enemies, right? And he's talking to people who are, who are under uh, the oppression and the occupation of the Roman Empire. He says, love your enemies. Be merciful even as God is merciful. And he says, you know, loving those who love you, doing good to those who do good to you, lending to those who you know will pay you back, it gives you no benefit. It gives you no benefit. Now, when you read that, you might think, you know, I don't want to dispute Jesus, right? But you could say, you know, Jesus, I think that's wrong. There is great benefit. If I love those who love me, they'll love me back. That's good, right? If I lend money and I expect to get that money back, that's a great benefit to me. How can it, right? I scratch someone's back, they scratch my back. Um, I mean, it's awesome. That's the way the world works, and and there is benefit to me. So why would he say that? Well, it confused me a little until I realized that the word benefit and credit here that Jesus uses is the word charis. And you know this word. This is probably one of the few Greek words that you, I know you know, right? It's the word for grace. It's the word for grace. So Jesus is saying, you know, if you love only those who love you, if you only do good to those who do you good, if you only lend to those people who are going to pay you back, what grace is that to you? What unmerited favor or mercy is that to you? There's none. Because now it's just an exchange. It's just a contract. And he's saying, no. If If you're going to be like the children of God and you're going to imitate your father then you have to act in grace. Living this way means that we are the children of the Most High, right? Our behavior is not in response to how others treat us, nor based on our expectation of something in return of equal or greater value on earth. It is to be shaped instead, our behavior, by the character of the God we serve. And the God that we serve is merciful. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's kind, loyal, committed, with power to rescue. God is good, not just just in his inner being, but in the way that God acts in kindness to both the ungrateful and the evil. And so I think we can almost switch out the word kindness with the word grace. He's, Jesus is not telling us, you know, here's a new, new set of you know, moral laws or rules that you have to follow. He, he's really just trying to fundamentally transform our understanding of self, our identity. He's telling us, you are the children of God. And so, so live that out. Not, not by following a series of rules, but to fundamentally re-understand who you are in him. That is, you are the children of God. And to live and to respond to the world as God does in grace and in mercy and with kindness. Um, Kindness, again here, I think explicitly reminds us 
That fruit is for the community. You can't just be kind in your mind, right? You can't just be a, a kind person in your own head. It has to be action that is directed towards someone else's good. Um, Louis Smedy's definition, I think, comes close to the mark when he writes that kindness is the power to move close to another person in order to heal. The power to move close to another person in order to heal, right? So feeling pity for somebody, like, oh, that's too bad, like, that is not kindness. Kindness is not a feeling that you have towards someone who might be, you know, in need or something like that. That is not what the Bible talks about in kindness. It's the willingness and the power to get engaged and to be involved in meeting those needs. You meet someone else's needs ahead of your own when it's uncomfortable for you, when it's inconvenient for the sake of the relationship. That is kindness. Okay? So, so I just hope that it's clear that kindness, it's not this sort of um, cultural understanding of these sort of occasional hit-and-run acts of goodness during the holidays. It's not a call to do trivial, doesn't cost me anything, acts of you know, kindness to strangers. So, although again, that's, all, that's good stuff. I'm not against that. But that is not the kindness that the Bible is talking about. It calls us to a deeper, long-term action of loyalty to those that we are bound in relationship. Um, so, you know, I've been thinking about this uh, this week, um, and I think the thing that really struck me uh, about it this week is that relationally thinking about kindness, uh, because that's what it's talking about, it requires of us to practice kindness or to, to bear the fruit of kindness for us to think long-term, that it is a relationally long-term uh, Loyalty to someone. Um, for example, you notice that the word kindness appears frequently with the word patience. That's not an accident. That's not an accident. In the fruit of the Spirit, it comes right after patience, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, then kindness. And in 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul is writing that chapter about love, remember? And he's defining love, and he says, love is what? Love is patience and kind, right? It's not even love is patient, comma, kind. It's love is patient and kind, as if the two have to go together, right? The patience and the kindness, they can't be separated because kindness requires of us a long-term commitment. It's not just throw a dollar there and forget about it. That's not kindness. It calls us for a long-term commitment. So, maybe that's not new to you, but for me, as I've been thinking about that, um, that speaks to all of our relationships, right? That we are to deal with others um, in kindness. I was thinking, uh, I remember a while ago, Victor um, shared um, in his testimony about how when he got engaged, that his father-in-law had a series of tests for him, remember? That, um, you know, can he do a Rubik's Cube? You know, can he, all these series of tests to see if he was good enough for his daughter. And um, I thought, that was good, I'm going to do that too. And, uh, but, but, the, but, the, but the test I want to have, for, as I've been thinking about it, is, is this person kind? I think that, that's a good test. Is, it, you know, is this person kind? And not, again, not nice, not bland, but kind, committed, loyal, 
for the long haul. Um, you know, experts in relationships and marriages today, uh, they're teaching us um, that human beings, especially in a, in a marriage situation, obviously, that people are looking for intimacy. Duh, right? No kidding. <laughs> um, and, but experts talk about this idea of, you know, the way that people build these relationships, um, they talk about this thing they call bids, that in relationships, people are throwing out bids, hundreds perhaps of bids every day as a way to draw closer uh, to one another. And I think this applies to all of our relationships. Um, because each day as we make a bid, it's an, it's, a, it's an act of kindness, or it can be an act of kindness, where we're trying to get closer uh, to someone. And the other person now has a responsibility of either accepting that bid or rejecting that bid. And that choice determines whether or not you get closer or you move further apart. Uh, for example, just as, as an illustration, suppose on Monday night my wife and I are um, lying down and we're watching Monday night football and the Bills are playing. And, you know, she's um, supposed just, you know, knitting, you know, not really watching the game, but she's there with me. I'm watching the game. And um, as I'm watching, um, I see something and I turn to her and I say, hey, you know, um, looks like the Bills aren't going to trade LaShawn McCoy this season. That's my bid. That's a bid. I'm not just simply passing on information here. What may seem like a, you know, trivial piece of information is a bid. It's an invitation to intimacy. So now my wife hears, you know, this statement that I've made, and she has a choice. She can stop knitting, look me in the eyes with, with adoration, with a big smile, and she can say, oh, really? I thought they were going to, you know, trade him so that they could get under the salary cap for next year as they rebuild. <laughs> in my dreams... But more likely, she might say something like, who? (laughs) Or what? Right? But if she asks that question, right, even if she says who and kind of maybe even turns to me and says who, right, that is an accepting of the bid. And it's not because she cares about football. Believe me, she doesn't. But she's acknowledging that it's important to me and she's paying attention and is telling me that as stupid as that question is, that I am worthy of attention. That, that's the acceptance of a bid. Right? And we do that a thousand times a day. And so she understands intuitively that it's not just, hey, here's some random information that you care nothing about. That, that it is a bid toward intimacy. Now suppose instead of even saying who, suppose she just keeps on knitting either doesn't hear my question or pretends she doesn't hear my question or just kind of continues to knit and goes, "Mm mm-hmm, right? Now, I'm not worthy. And now that, now instead of getting closer, we've drawn further apart, right? And so so this is the way relationships work. Each bid is an opportunity to, to get closer or to get further apart. And... What's really interesting is, you know, people who study this stuff, uh, John Gottman, for example, uh, probably the the world's leading expert on relationships, uh, he looked at um, couples and he grouped them basically into two categories. He called them either masters or disasters. And he says the masters accept bids about 90% of the time. 
right? That nine out of ten bids that are given, they 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 respond to it, and so those relationships flourish and they're, and they're, the couple's happy. The disasters only accept about a third of the bids, right? So for every three effort that you make to connect with them, they reject two of them, and so so those relationships tend to just just crash. Um, thinking about this for me, you know, this is the masters are practicing kindness. It's this prolonged, committed attention giving. That's kindness. Not once in a while, not when it's convenient or interesting for me. It's loyalty that persists and perseveres over the long haul. You know, and in any relationship, this is hard. Um, And it's especially hard, you know, if you're distracted and you're so busy and you're tired. And, you know, when I when I think about my life now, um, you know, with my kids in particular, um, I remember when they were especially when they were young, um, I was not very kind. And I don't mean like I wasn't nice to them. I wasn't kind in the sense that I didn't give them the level of attention that they needed. You know, like I would take them to the park and I would just have them play, leave me alone so I can read my book. We didn't have phones in those days. So, you know, just go play, do your thing so I can have some time to myself and do my thing. That's not kindness, right? You know, when they were taking like Taekwondo classes and they're, you know, they're so cute, right? The first time, but then you got to take them to class every day and you like, go do your thing. Thank you for watching them. I'm going to read my book. That is not kindness. That is not kindness, right? It, it's attention over the long haul. That's, that's kindness. That's kindness. And that's the only way to build trust. And that's how this fruit has to be born. Um, because this is what God does. This is exactly what God does. God is constantly throwing out bids to us to draw us to him. That's how God's kindness works. He speaks to us in so many ways throughout the day because he's kind. But, you know, we're so busy. We're so careless. We are so selfish that we don't hear or see or feel any of those bids that are coming to us on a daily basis because he's trying to reach out to us through his word through the people that we bump into, through the circumstances that we're facing in our lives, in the, in the beauty of the, the fall leaves, the colors right now, in so many ways there are bids being made to draw us to him. And yet, even with all the constant rejection, God is patient and kind and continues to reach out to us In fact, the Bible says, as we sang just a little while ago, that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance, right? And again, it's not God's niceness leads us to repent. It's God's prolonged pursuit of us, unfailing love, loyal, committed, covenantal love, sacrificed love that draw us Toward him. It's his ongoing kindness. 
a kindness most fully revealed and realized in Jesus Christ, through whom he will show us the innumerable riches of his grace and his kindness toward us, as it says in Ephesians. And it's, but it's a, it's a kindness that, that continues day to day. And so it's, it's when I come to realize the depth of God's attention to me, the patience of his relentless pursuit, the enormity of his sacrifice, the ongoing demonstration of his kindness in my life that I come to repentance and joy. Not because I think God is nice. His kindness, his commitment to me leads me back to him. And as I rest, as I rest in him, as I accept the bids of welcome and love, then I too, rooted in him, also bear the fruit and the fruit of kindness. And so, you know, when someone today maybe uh, says something to you casually, um, some small talk, right? Um, be thankful. And, and don't think of it as useless information or awkwardness, but as a bid toward intimacy, a bid toward the practice of kindness. It's an opportunity for you to receive it, to respond, um, and to deepen that relationship, to be kind. As it says in Ephesians 2.7, we are to be kind to one another, committed to one another long-term, to be loyal, to help one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven us. And, and we do this, again, not because of some um, spiritual program that we want to do, but because we're the children of God, because that's who we are. And we imitate the one who has called us, our Father, who is kind. Let's pray together. God, we thank you uh, for your word. And as we think about the meaning of your kindness to us, a kindness that led to the cross uh, for our salvation, as we dwell upon your kindness, God, lead us toward repentance and toward our salvation. That it is not your wrath that frightens us to repentance, but your kindness that leads us gently back home and help us to rest in you, to receive your kindness so that rooted in you, we too may bear this fruit as we love one another and as we love those who are even our enemies expecting nothing in return but to pass on your grace just as we have received it we ask all this in Jesus name Amen now at this time I want to invite you to the Lord's table